I'm Glenn Richards. You're listening to Morning Edition on WUFT. Grammy Award-winning, multi-platinum-selling Minneapolis rock band Soul Asylum is returning to North Central Florida on Friday at 7 p.m. at the Riley Arts Center in Ocala with special guests driving and crying. The Grammy Award-winning hit Runaway Train from their 1992 breakthrough album Grave Dancers Union featured an incredible music video which brought nearly two dozen missing and exploited children and teens around the world home to their families. Their 12th studio album was 2020's Hurry Up and Wait, and also in 2020, frontman Dave Perner published Loud, Fast Words, a book of his lyrics accompanied by commentary and essays about each Soul Asylum album and song. The band released their famous 1993 MTV Unplugged performance on vinyl for the first time ever as a 2023 Record Store Day exclusive, which I missed out on getting a copy of so I'm so totally excited that it was finally released digitally just last week and they're finalizing a brand new album for 2024 as well totally stoked to be talking to Dave Perner it's nice to speak with you hi hey man how you doing Glenn I'm doing good I'm doing really good it's uh it's been a while I've been a fan since hang time hmm that's a while yeah so I go way back it's like it's hard for me to believe that that stuff was uh, over 30 years ago. How do you feel about that when somebody like me points that out? I feel the same way. I feel sometimes like a certain something will happen and I'll go, God, that sure seemed like yesterday. And then something else will happen and I'll go, that seemed like forever ago. So I, I don't, you know, I don't know what distinguishes one memory from another. It's probably the things that I'm still doing feel like I've just been doing them for 30 years, like, and, and I just keep doing them. So it's just happening every day, anyways. Um, that would be my guess. <laughs> right. So it, I guess, it's good to be a writer that you have an outlet for your thoughts and, and feelings on subjects. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very cathartic, and it's very much like sort of trying to, well, I guess like, you know, I'm constantly writing things down, and I'm constantly talking into a tape recorder and singing into a tape recorder, and you are kind of trying to catch moments of clarity, I suppose, where things seem to make sense in a way that they have a universal kind of a quality. And um, these are sort of words and melodies and, and chords that hopefully are um, durable, for lack of a better expression. And Sure. I mean, especially when I'm doing the acoustic stuff, mm -hmm. it, it does feel like I'm singing about things that 
people obviously I'm interested in or I care about. At the same time, I'm kind of going, well, I haven't really changed my attitude on that. Or, you know, it very rarely happens that I'm saying something today that disagrees with how I felt about something 30 years ago. So to that effect, there's a certain consistency and also a certain comfort, I think, for me. If it's if it's a sentiment that seems angry or, or sad or happy or whatever the case may be, um, I, I feel like, oh, you know, I still feel the same way as I did when I was 23. So it, it, it makes me feel like not like I'm 23 again, but like my, my process is still kind of intact. Like I wasn't uh, a a young precocious idiot. Mm -hmm. And now I'm sitting here going, wow, that I've changed so much, which (laughs) depending on how you look at it, you know, it could be good (laughs) or bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Hurry Up and Wait was informed by uh, your your recent divorce at the time and moving back to Minnesota after living in New Orleans for uh, several years. How's that experience been being back, um, you know, where it all began? Um, it, it's been fine, you know. I mean, it just made sense to me. By the time, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I have spent some time living in New York City and I've spent some time living in Los Angeles and you know New New Orleans made sense to me because it's the only other city in in America that musically has some uh something for me to explore and something for me to educate myself and something for me to understand the history of what we loosely call American music. Um, So it was kind of a journey in a way. Um, In another way, it's not much of a rock and roll town at all. So I spent a lot of time listening, which is what I needed to do at that time in my life. I just I needed to listen because I had sort of, you know, played so constantly for the last 25 years that I I was really just so immersed in my own music. I needed to get out of that head. And the way for me to do that was to sort of understand where the music comes from. And that's where New Orleans plays such a heavy part in in the evolution of of music uh here in america anyways yeah no absolutely it, it's kind of i'm thinking about it and you've kind of almost took the reverse uh blues highway route instead of uh you know traveling from new orleans up highway 61 uh you kind of like went the reverse down from uh you know minnesota into into new orleans of sorts yeah and it, you know and it is kind of a thing where people talk about East Coast music and West Coast music, and they they might be kind of missing the heart of the beast, so to speak. 
And if you go up and down the Mississippi, there's all these kind of musical evolution kind of places. And, you know, I, for me, it's important to know about Memphis and important to know about Nashville. And it's important to know about, you know, Chicago. It's important to know about all these places that are kind of in the middle of America. And, uh, and well, here I am in Baton Rouge. Right. And uh, which has its own musical history and flavor and, you know, music is really regional in my mind. So it's one of the more interesting things about spending a life traveling from state to state and really getting into, you know, what, who the people are and where the people came from and what they brought with them and what kind of instruments they used and how much the music is influenced by where, where they're coming from, really. Yeah. Well, you're going to be playing uh, in, in Ocala tonight, which is a stone's throw from Gainesville, and uh, talk about rich musical history. I mean, well, I mean, Ocala's got, uh, you know, it, its own bands, um, but, you know, going back to the um, <laughs> Snoopy versus the Red Baron, um, that was an mm. Ocala band uh, who did that, but um, you know, the Allman Brothers uh, over on the East Coast uh, in Daytona, and of course Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and two members of the Eagles, and just all of that crazy stuff from uh, from back in the day. When was the last time you were in Florida? Wow, when is the last time I was in Florida? Hmm. Uh, I've been to Florida so many times. I don't know if I could. I could uh, remember exactly when and where I was. One of the more interesting uh, trips that I went on that involved Florida was um, the Pretenders were playing a half dozen gigs in Florida. And I'm not sure how I got the gig, but I opened acoustically, just me. And I was living in New Orleans at the time. And yeah, me and my friend put a couple of acoustic guitars in a in a car, and I went out and opened for the Pretenders, and they, it was great watching them play every night. And uh, you know, it was very brass tack simple, but uh, I I I enjoyed it. Chrissy's a troubadour too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She had her Bob yeah. Dylan harmonica neck thing back in the day that's that's right yeah she's the greatest yeah uh i saw you guys it was the house of blues in orlando i don't even remember what year it was like 10 years ago maybe or something like that um awesome show looking forward to to this uh this one as well and with driving and crying that's a great bill yeah we've done uh, a bunch of gigs with driving and crying remember we toured around canada we toured well, kind of on and off with driving and crying over the years, and I'm very excited about getting back with them. Kevin, I consider a a friend and uh, just a great guy with a beautiful voice. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And another great songwriter too. Of course. What can you tell us about the forthcoming album? What uh, what's what have you been uh, processing? What can we uh, look forward to? Well. Uh, we made a record called The Horse They Rode In On for A&M Records, gosh, more than 30 years ago. 
Yeah, I remember. It's kind of funny because people remind me that it's the 30th anniversary of something, and then that becomes my my time frame. So the record before Grave Dancers Union, which was called The Horse They Rode In On, was produced by Steve Jordan. Um, if you're familiar with Steve, he produced the Keith Richards records. He was a big he was the producer and the drummer in the Keith's expensive, expensive winos. Yeah. And he still is. And now he's playing drums with the Rolling Stones. Uh, so we made a record with Steve for A&M. And then this time around, at that time, I met Nico Bolas, who's Neil Young's uh, guy. I call him Neil Young's guy. He basically records everything Neil Young does. Yep. And at the time, when we were making the horse they rode in on, I met Nico because he was kind of hanging around. So we've been making uh, the last three records were made in, well, actually not in Minneapolis, but John Fields is the producer from Minneapolis who was living in L.A. So me and my drummer, Michael Bland, would fly out to L.A. and work with John. And then John moved to Minneapolis, which was very convenient. Um, but for this record, I wanted to try something different. So I called Nico just to see what he was up to. And he mentioned it to Steve Jordan, and Steve was interested. And I, I just was thrilled to hear that. I was thrilled to call my drummer, Michael Bland, and go, guess who wants to produce our record? So sure enough, sooner than later, Steve was in Minneapolis, and we recorded the record. Uh, very performance-based, kind of everybody in the same room playing the tunes. No BS, no, no nothing, no clicks, none of the, none of the stuff that, I guess we had just sort of been using out of just utility. Um, so uh, I finished recording the band, then I went to New York and did the vocals, and then I came back to Minneapolis and did the background vocals and uh, just a couple other little guitar things, maybe add an acoustic guitar here or there. But uh, it is in the can, as they say. It is finished and waiting to be mixed. So I'm just uh, you know, waiting by the phone for Steve Jordan to call me up and tell me uh, we have mixed dates, and then I'll go to New York and we'll mix it, and then it will be done. I can't wait. That sounds exciting as hell. Yeah. Those Keith Richards records it. were uh, the sound fantastic. He's a great producer. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the horse they rode in on was, I loved it. So very yeah. exciting. I had said to Steve, you know, a lot of people come up to me and they say, that's their favorite Soul Asylum record. And he goes, well, that's probably because of the way it was recorded, which makes a certain amount of sense. It just, it sounds like a band. Yeah. You know? Well, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, I, any any uh, do you preview any of the songs from the album in in the show? Uh, there was there is one song that we did play um, last night, la night before last, um, and it went pretty good. So we'll we'll probably try that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was talking to Steve Jordan, and I said, well, what what do you think about? 
playing some of this new stuff before the record comes out, and he just said, nah. And that's kind of the thing that you run into with the so-called modern age. It's like everybody's got a phone, everybody's recording Mm. things, and everybody's putting things online. And it's kind of counterintuitive or counterproductive to give all the music away before the record comes out, Um, unfortunately, because, you know, but I just told somebody to please kill me if I used the expression back in the day, but I'm going to use it anyways. I mean, we, we used to sort of work out songs on the road. We we play new stuff all the time. And, and, and it's just, it's gotten to the point where the live experience is, is now more restrictive because you don't really want to start doing some of the stuff we used to do which was let's play a cover we don't know let's let's do some clowning around and let's make a whole bunch of mistakes and let's make a big farce out of the whole thing um because it's funny whether the crowd likes it or not if somebody is filming that and putting it on the internet and taking it out of context it can look really bad so you shy away from that kind of spontaneity, which is unfortunate, but it is it is the case. You you, you got to kind of you got to realize that it can be pulled right out of context and it can be used against you, which is sad, but it's true. Yeah. And this is why we can't have nice things. That's right. Well, uh, I th- I think you got to get to sound check. Um, so uh, it's it, Dave. It's been really great. I can't believe in all the years of my career I haven't ever gotten to do an interview with you. So this has been a lot of fun, uh, and looking forward to seeing you guys again. I've seen you guys uh, many times over the years, so looking forward to it. Solo Asylum returning to North Central Florida Friday, uh, seven p.m. The Riley Arts Center in Ocala. Special guests driving and crying. Don't be late. Find out more at RileyArtsCenter.com and, of course, for all things Soul Asylum, SoulAsylum.com. And uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, streaming the, uh, the, the 1993 MTV Unplugged on the way to the show and uh, getting the new album when it comes out next year. Right on, man. I appreciate your time, Glenn. Thanks. That's Dave Perner of Soul Asylum. Earlier this year, Soul Asylum released their famous 1993 MTV Unplugged performance on vinyl for the first time ever as a Record Store Day exclusive. It was released digitally to streaming services just last Friday. I'm Glenn Richards on WUFT. Yeah.
Sophomore.